Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows how to enjoy wrestling. And it's a very special episode, another requested one, and one when I saw the request was absolutely positively fucking delighted. It's How To Samoa Joe, and I'm joined by How To English Joe. It's Joe Graham. Hello. Smojo Graham. Smojo Graham. You've got a lot of Smojo coming your way as, as a result of this episode, I think. What is Smojo? It's what we've decided. It's what you're... <laughs> well, you see, honey, now that I go out with you and I've went out with you for a bit and I like you and all that, it right. means I'm allowed to change your name. And I just, just, just change it. Pop down office. Whatever said, you like. Smojo. Now, make her first name, the abbreviation of that, make that her surname. And yeah. make the word Smo. Shut up, it is a real word. Make that her first name. And now you're Smojo. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my parents that my boyfriend's got a cute name for me. Yeah, yeah. Smojo. Smojo. I'm just saying when we get married, I will not take the Joe surname. I don't think that's... What uh... about the Smo prefix? No, they, they could be... <laughs> We could children could be called Smoman Joe Man as, uh, as their surnames, but someone did do an amazing Samoa Joe artwork for yeah, you. Yeah, it was absolutely so so cool. Me dressed in Samoa Joe's awesome trunks. And what, shorts. what I like as well is that they gave you the crate like if you ever make a crate arrestor in a video game, yeah. okay. The, the default woman's top, which is kind of like a, a de facto sports bra, which is what they've included there yeah. as well, you know? It's really cool. It's, it's very, very nicely done. And you always know that you're onto something when someone's made fan art out of it. So Samoa Joe is obviously one that we're very, very interested in this week. Yeah. Um, but Joe, is it time, I think it is, for you to reveal to the world and the how-to universe what is you've learned this week in wrestling? So this week I learned in wrestling. Um, I actually asked the Twitterverse, the How To Universe, the How To Universe Twitterverse, the How To Twitterverse. Yeah. Uh, for recommendations on what I should include for this week's what I learned in wrestling, mm-hmm. and this was sent in by Skeletons of Funk on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Kane used to wrestle as a holiday-themed monster. Named the Christmas Creature. So for those new fans at, at home, if you turn on wrestling, chances are you'll see Kane in some guys. And he's, he's, he's quite a familiar face in the world of wrestling. But Kane is kind of, he's, he's kind of like, a, he's a demon basically, is his whole gimmick. And he's, you know, meant to be myth, mythical and whatnot. So I think it's a nice bit of a surprise to see Kane. I mean, how would you describe the Christmas Creature as, a, as an outfit here? He kind of looks like a horrible Christmas tree monster. <laughs> Like a Christmas tree has come to life, punishing yeah. children for looking at their yeah, gifts early. Exactly, yeah. um, like some kind of Tim Burton esque horrible creation. But he's got his like candy cane arms. Yeah, and tinsel as well. Lots but of I tinsel. But I can't figure out what his what's going with his. Has he just got tinsel on his face? Yeah, he's he's, he's 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 kind of got a tinsel face. It's really creepy. It is really creepy, which leads me to believe that the Christmas creature worked heel. But I mean, was how, he creepy? IRL was was he meant to be creepy? I, I assume so. If it's a big guy and they've given them the the moniker of creature in his name, I guess. Then I imagine he has to be both a a heel and b a creepy heel. And um, it's funny when we did our twenty four hour gaming marathon for the Ashley podcast, someone made the Christmas creature and wrestled <laughs> us as the Christmas creature. And you know, twenty four hours into a gaming marathon, the last thing you want to see coming at you. Is the Christmas creature. Yeah. Now, obviously, Christmas is coming year and year, earlier and earlier, but yeah. I was wondering if you were aware of any other crossovers between the world of wrestling and the world of Christmas. The world of Christmas. The world of Christmas. 
Um, Which we are declaring right now is a pagan festival for everyone to enjoy, regardless right. of faith. Yeah. Uh, Christmas, what, Christmas-themed wrestling things? Yeah. I know Mick Foley is obsessed with Santa and <laughs> uh, dressed as Santa for every day for a year. I don't know if he dressed... He, I know he wore Santa shirts, at least. I don't know if he dressed up in the full oh, get-up. Oh, I'm not sure. Okay. He's in that Santa documentary. Yeah. And also, there's that thing that's on the network at the moment, which is about it's all like the times wrestling is Every done. Christmas reference in wrestling ever. Which is just Mick Foley looking a little bit confused. And Noel when, Foley in, like, a Ferris wheel in the background for some reason. <laughs> and just for, you know, WWE DVD makers at home, when you got someone like Mick Foley, who's got obviously a long history of chair shots to the head, concussion problems and memory problems... Don't do a skit where he can't find his daughter in an amusement park. Yeah, that's really sad. <laughs> He's just like going, hey, I don't know where my daughter is. I'm like, oh, no, Mick. <laughs> do, you, do you not remember where you left, Noel? <laughs> um, but I will say Christmas Creature is not the only Christmas-themed wrestler. Is he the worst one? Absolutely worst? not. Because really? at least the Christmas Creature was kind of, I mean, he was a concept. I'll give him that. Um, Xanta Claus was a wrestler. Xanta with an X. With an X. With an X. So like Z. No, like like Xena basically. Oh, Xanta. Wow, okay. Xanta. Evil Xanta Claus. Right. Who was around in WWF during the early nineties, during that bleak period. Uh-huh. And uh he was from the South Pole. Oh ah, was he evil. He was. He was very evil. Quickly <laughs> Google Xanta there just so you can get a quick look at him. Here we go. Xanta Claus. Um so an evil fellow. From the South Pole, which is the more evil of the two poles. He looks like a greasy Santa. <laughs> he does. He looks like a trailer park boy Santa yeah. or something like that. And he wore black and red instead of red and white. And get this. He stole presents from children. Ooh. Ooh. Now, no good heel. Some, I think maybe on Christmas, maybe Christmas morning, yeah. I'll pop on an old episode of Raw from 95 where Santa Claus showed up. Because there's nothing quite like hearing Vince McMahon, the good guy commentator at the time, decrying, that's not Santa! Give those <laughs> presents back, you crook! Those are for the children! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, wrestling, Christmas. There's a lot to be enjoyed there. Particularly um, mm. as we also this week saw Triple H dressed up as a Santa, beating up mankind dressed yeah. up as a <laughs> Well, that was a harrowing experience. Definitely. Try watching it when you're 10 years old and you're about to get a Game Boy, oh, you know? Ooh, hard to go. And So this week, it's How to Samoa Joe. Uh, Samoa Joe... Who, I'd say if I was doing this episode a year ago, we came up with the idea for a podcast earlier, we'd be talking about how he's the the big guy who never made it to WWE. <laughs> Absolutely not. Never going to be signed to WWE. And yet, lo and behold, Samoa Joe is now one of the biggest superstars on NXT. And one which I think you've seen a fair bit of. What was it like for you when Joe first appeared? Because you and I were watching NXT. Yeah. And then Joe appeared, and you probably didn't know who this guy was. I often feel I'm a bit harsh to wrestlers who debut, and I haven't heard of them before, because it takes a while for me to get to like a wrestler, mm-hmm. I think. It, their personality has to come across. Samoa Joe is one of the very few instances where I saw a wrestler and immediately liked him. Because he think looks badass. He just looks really cool. He looks he completely does. unique. There's no one currently wrestling who he you would get him at all mixed up with or anything. He's such got his own look and his own style. And it's funny, because a lot of wrestlers you can always kind of say... Oh yeah, no, this guy is good. This guy is awesome. But 
this guy also does a lot of the similar yeah. stuff to him. I mean, like, Seth Rollins is someone who I love, but I would argue a lot of people can do very similar styles yeah. to him. Samoa Joe is someone who, as we get into, I think we'll realise is totally 100% unique. Yeah, I can't think of anyone, but to be fair, that's not saying much. Can that's you true. think of anyone who's particularly similar to as, him? As, as in terms of a combination of that kind of look with a serious character and that kind of style, absolutely not. Yeah. And I remember when I first saw Samoa Joe in 2005, which is when Kevin stopped watching just WWE and got really apathetic towards mainstream wrestling and tried to watch everything else. And Samoa Joe was one of the main reasons for that. It was because I saw that here was a guy who I knew I would never see in WWE, was completely against what they looked like, what they looked for in a guy. And it really kind of... It was in a period where it felt like wrestling was going back to bodybuilders and yeah. former athletes. And here was a guy who just looked like a, an interesting looking dude who could fight the fuck out of anyone. Yeah. And that was really, really awesome. And Joe was overlooked by WWE for, for most of his time. And is that because of his whole look? Because he's hardly... I mean, the thing is about Joe, he looks badass. He looks tough as hell. But he doesn't look badass in the way that WWE has typically hired people. Okay, Vince Mc, if you went up to Vince McMahon right now and said, Vince, <laughs> this guy over here is a badass. Vince doesn't even need to look at you to decide if you're a badass. What he's going to do is he'll close his eyes and he'll put his hands out and he'll touch your midsection. And if he can elucidate individual ab muscles, then you're probably a badass. If he can't elucidate individual ab muscles, then he'll make a comment about your wife or your girlfriend. And if you don't right. fight him, you're not a badass. Okay? So those are his two criteria. Okay. Um, Samoa Joe, like his name came up so many times for guys you need to be looking out for on the independent yeah. circuit. When CM Punk was signed in like 2005, Joe was someone who everyone felt like, well, surely him as well. And absolutely no, they didn't want anything to do with him. When Daniel Bryan was hired, Cesaro, Seth Rollins, these are all guys who came from a similar background, which is independence, ring of honor, amazing match quality, critically renowned, yeah. wrestled in Japan, you know, has a real name for himself. And every single time he was overlooked, and it's amazing he's not massively bitter about the whole thing. I would be so yeah, bitter. I would, yeah, I'd <laughs> so be absolutely furious. But on the Table for Three show we watched. Well, he's on that Table for Three, which is on the network. Yeah. Three wrestlers sit really down, good. have a dinner. All of them have been great so far, yeah, haven't they? Yeah, really. very enjoyable. But the one with Samoa Joe, he did mention the fact that he'd been overlooked by things, but he was not bitter in the slightest from the way he came across. I think it's the fact that he was maybe someone who still managed to make a good career for himself, yeah, regardless. It. I mean, even... I mean... Everyone always says that since 2001, where WWE became the main company, that there's nowhere else to make a career, and <laughs> you can't make a name for yourself only in WWE. And I think Joe has definitely shown otherwise than that. But two things that kept him out of WWE. Number one, weight. Yeah, you got to be in better shape than that, pal. You know, it's a, it's a big guy's business. We're all about bodies here. And the other one as well is... Um, I don't know how you know how WWE has portrayed Samoan wrestlers before. I don't know anything. Um, type in Umaga into Google Images. U-M-A-G-A. Okay, this would have been the kind of typical Samoan wrestler that they would have kind of went with, or the style of gimmick that they would be most... The idea of the Samoan wrestler being a tribal savage is something which has went back to like the earliest days of wrestling. And Joe being kind of heavily billed as being, you know, from the Isle of Samoa, the Samoan submission machine is his moniker. Yeah. The fact is that they had this guy, Umaga, on the roster who was their Samoan guy who fit very much the WWE idea of 
you're Samoan, therefore you need to have a bone through your nose and you've got a hard head and don't speak English. Okay. Um, I'll be honest, it's a trope that's problematic as fuck, the idea that if you're from an island, you have to be a savage. I will say, it's not entirely like Vince McMahon got a load of Simone wrestlers like, listen here, goddammit, you're going to be savages. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's a bit of that. The other bit of it as well is that the main Simone wrestling family very much tapped into that because they knew that that was yeah. something that would be elicited a response from, from a crowd. But Joe very much being a cool Samoan and not a savage Samoan, in the early days anyway, would have made them not look at him. It must be tricky because I imagine on one hand, integrating part of your culture into your wrestling character is kind of quite a cool thing to do. That's a good idea, definitely. But I suppose when a stereotype of a culture is your character, that's where the line becomes problematic. Well, if you grabbed me when I was 14 years old and said, Kevin, tell me about Samoa, I would have told you um, the list of the following things. One, headbutts. If you're from Samoa and someone hits you in the head, they'll get hurt because they, they have harder heads Aww. because they have thicker skulls because okay. they uh, they obviously they diverged from an earlier evolutionary lineage than oh, the rest geez. of humans. So hard skulls, savagery, they love dancing, and they love to eat. That was oh, kind of all I knew about Samoa. Now, I'm pretty sure, if you are a Samoan fan, please tweet in, but I'm pretty sure there's more to Polynesian culture than those few things. Yeah. And Joe, I think, was kind of... Yeah, I'm not saying that's why he was kept out, but that definitely was a factor. But mainly as well, the fact that he... You can get away with, in thinking their eyes, in WWE's eyes, you can get away with not having a cut body or like being you know, super muscular. If you've if, got a like, really over-the-top gimmick. Yeah, if you're also like a yeah. savage. Because of course he's not going to be in good shape because he eats pig for breakfast. Whereas Joe had this cool modern character... And he didn't have the body they liked, so he didn't tick any boxes. The idea that they would ever try and go for a sort of a more tribal thing with Samoa Joe is just so... I can't even imagine it. They did touch on a layer in some other companies. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe get into that a little bit more. But I've always was very, very happy that Samoa Joe kind of kept being Samoa Joe yeah. and didn't turn himself into an easy gimmick just to get signed with a company. And Joe very much stayed as himself for his entire tenure before he arrived at WWE. And when I first started seeing Samoa Joe, it would have been around 2005 when he first appeared in TNA. He was also tearing it up in another company where we've uh, seen a lot of great action already and a lot of great stars, which is Ring of Honor, where Joe was their pure champion, which is kind of like extra technical wrestling for, for many, many years. How old was Joe when he started wrestling? Do you know? Joe started wrestling originally, the first time I saw of him would have been like 1999, he had like tryout matches for WWE when he was very, very young. Wow. So he would, yeah, he would have been kind of like wrestling straight out of school, God. which is pretty incredible. Yeah. But um, Joe kind of made his name for himself up through the indies. I will say now, I didn't include on our matches tonight any of his big feud with CM Punk, which you probably saw was tweeted a lot, his legendary feud with CM Punk, where he had a series of one-hour matches, uh-huh. and super legendary. Didn't include them for two of the following reasons. Number one, uh, if you are like me and you're trying to show wrestling to new fans at home, you will find that extra-long, particularly over-an-hour-long matches are not the best way to get someone into something. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay? I'm just saying that. We'll get there eventually. And number two, an idea, Brainwave, as the show's ideas do develop. And we are going to do feuds for episodes going on. So once we have covered characters in their own episodes, we're going to do special episodes 
they're doing feuds. So we'll have like, you know, CM Punk and Samoa Joe would be one. Austin and McMahon would be one. So awesome. an, we're, we're going to do that. So yeah, we're going to run out episode ideas for how dressing ever. So we're going to drag this show on. We're going to drag it out. fucking ever. We're going to drag this fucking show out longer than Samoa Joe and CM Punk dragged out their best of three series. That's how fucking long we're going to... That's gonna... a joke I look forward to getting. Yeah, but... Why don't you watch something from Ring of Honor? And what I kind of epitomized Joe in Ring of Honor, what made him different, was the fact that his his stuff looked real and his stuff was hard hitting. And it doesn't get much realer or more hard hitting than this first match we watched, which is Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kabashi from Ring of Honor in 2005. A match which was rated as being five stars by wrestling journalist Dave Meltzer, which basically means it's really, really good. Yeah, because Dave Meltzer's the guy, isn't he? he he's the he's the, the foremost wrestling critic. Yeah. Just by saying that, we'll get hate mail. Really? People, because he makes predictions and he says things and he's an authority, people disagree with okay. him. Okay. But if Dave Meltzer says a match is five stars, you watch that match. Yeah. You know? And this match was five stars. I have to say, it was really, really, really fun. Starting off, they had streamers. Yeah! Is that a thing Ring of Honor often do, or is that for this match in particular? Um, streamers is a thing that Ring of Honor do, but streamers is a thing that Ring of Honor does because Ring of Honor is very heavily influenced by Japan. That's and awesome. in Japan, the streamers are thrown. Okay. And what's really cool, when I, when I saw wrestling in, in Japan, what was really cool is that not only did we throw in streamers and they hand them out to the audience beforehand, but they had color-coded streamers. Right. So there was like a real, there was a bad bastard there and he was purple and black and he had purple and black streamers for when he came out. Wow. So it was really cool that it was kind of this understood thing amongst the audience who had what streamers. That's really, really, really cool. In Chikara, which is a much more, you know, kind of laid back fun promotion, more family friendly, when there's evil rotten heels, people throw toilet paper like streamers oh, at them. <laughs> but yeah, they get all like angry going, you can't throw toilet paper at <laughs> me. So yeah, streamers here kind of alluding to the Japanese heritage of this match. Kenta Kabashi is pure Japanese legend, essentially. He'd be right. viewed as like kind of being an almost mythical, legendary figure. The fact that Joe got to wrestle him, big deal. Big deal. And everyone was very, very hush about it. Joe the- had awesome hair oh, yeah. in this match. He had kind of a... It like was, a bouffant? Yeah, almost. it was really interesting for me going back, because I know of Joe with hardly any hair at all. Yeah. Um, and back in these earlier matches, he's got quite the full head. And he's quite uh, boyishly handsome. Oh, he is. Because we he's know a he's, hunk. He's, a, he's, a, he's quite the hunk, quite yeah, a soft hunk here, yeah. you know? And I always thought what was great about Joe at this time was that he had this kind of very calm looking demeanor, um, nice hair, nice lad, put him in a nice jumper, take him home to mum and dad. Oh, yeah. But. Once the bell rings, he was a killer. And I love that when a wrestler is, like, unassumingly violent. It's really, really cool. They have a thing here as well in Ring of Honor. At the start of matches, if they follow the code of honor, they shake hands to show respect for each other. Okay. Because that's what Ring of Honor is all about, you see. So it's something, obviously, you might... uh, pick up on when we watch more Ring of Honor I stuff. Did they shake hands in this match? Yeah, they did. They did a little handshake at the start and everyone was all like clapping hands That's and all good. that. Take that <laughs> shit seriously, you know? I've always wanted to be a wrestler Ring of Honor just so I could go woo at the start and make everyone throw <laughs> Too away. slow. Too slow. <laughs> you dance away. Um, the other code that they follow in this is the code of very, very hard chops. Seriously. Chops scare me. They didn't scare me until this match. Well, until a lot of Samoa Joe's matches that we watched for this episode. TBH. 
wow, my chest felt raw just watching them. Yeah, I think I kind of got all like pink and chafy just watching this happen. A like sympathy rash. If you're listening at home and you are the kind of person who thought that chops were something that just made a big noise and therefore didn't hurt and that's why wrestlers did them. Me. Okay, that's you. That was me. Now, if you're the other kind of people who thought that when you were 12 years old and therefore decided to start open hand chopping (laughs) your cousin and then he gets upset and the only way he's not going to tell on you is by him open hand chopping you, well, then you're in a bit of a fucking situation because chops sore as fuck. Is that what happened to you? Yes, it's what happened to me. Did it really hurt? Hurt really bad. I've been chopped a few few times. I've never been chopped. When I, I met a bunch of wrestlers to do a, a thing with wrestlers that I did previously, and the first thing I asked them was like, can you give me a chop just to see what it's like from a wrestler? Wow. And I was like out of breath for like 10 minutes. Fucking hell. Because it's just the shock of, of, of you tense up your chest, but you don't realise that you're going to lose your breath and then be like, oh. Yeah, because all the force behind it really would knock the wind out. And your kind of chest kind of collapses in and your arms move over. Obviously here, these guys are used Pro. to chopping each other. But Kenta Kabashi just... He every move he does is a chop, and yet I didn't get bored of him in this no. match. <laughs> That's a lot of variations on the chop that he's got going there. I think it partly helps that he has really silly faces that he pulls. Oh yeah, he has he's the kind such of such a troll face. <laughs> he does troll face, and then like a series of like almost Dragon Ball Z. He's in a higher form. <laughs> you know, his chopping has made him. You haven't him... even seen my true power level. You haven't seen my true form chops yet. <laughs> you know, so yeah, chops are on on the menu tonight, folks. Joe at one point does a suicide dive, which is where you dive through the ropes to the outside. And I must say, for a man his size, you always hear commentators go, wow, for a man his size, he sure moves around. That just usually means that if, like, someone who's really overweight manages to jump off a top rope now and then. Or someone who's really muscular, but in a very upper body strength kind yeah, of way, does a big oh, flip. For his size, you know. Yeah. what a, No, this is a man for his size moving with yeah. grace. Seriously. Joe is like a cat, he almost. Is. Yeah. And I've not seen cats move with that much grace, if, I, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. Joe does some intense chops to trade back and forth with Kenta. And I love the idea of this, which is Kenta is this, this big scary legend from Japan who Joe is able to keep up with by chopping back just as hard as he's chopping him. And then Joe starts mixing in his kicks and all that as well. I mean, what did it look like to you? Because me as a fan, when I look at this, I go, these guys are pretty much hitting each other. But I mean... It did. It looked really different and really real compared to other wrestling matches I've seen. Was that a good thing or a bad thing for you? A good thing. But not necessarily to imply that other wrestling is worse Mm -hmm. or bad, just that this was really different for me. Because it did seem... You could hear... We could hear the the noises that they oh, were making. Oh, God. Like, you could watch this match with your eyes closed and you'd still be like, oof, oh, ow, <laughs> that must have hurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he's not shaking out a giant polyethylene sheet. He's <laughs> chopping him. That's what that noise was. Yeah, it, it, what I noticed about this was that this match really hooked you in. Yeah. Uh, I always keep, keep half an eye on Joe when we're watching these matches, folks, to see how she's reacting. And generally, I mean, I was a bit worried because Kenta Kabashi literally does chops and his half nelson suplex finisher and that's it and i was thinking there's no way it's a good thing you didn't tell me that beforehand because i'd have probably just assumed that was going to be really boring yeah 
but you were still engaged, even though we probably saw a grand total of three or four different moves. He's very watchable, and Joe is fantastic as a. They're both amazing. Mm, like, it's just really cool. Really good coupling. And a simple match. story as well. I'm the legend coming over here to test you because you're supposedly the best. It's like, well, I'm the best. I'm going to beat you up. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. One of my favorite chops that Kenta did was when Joe was sat on a chair outside and Kenta ran towards him and chopped him so hard that Joe literally fell out of his chair and over the ramp into the crowd. When the uh, commentators were like, he fell out of his chair. That's my JR impression, even though he's not commentator. Jim Ross is just in Ring of Honor. He's the only commentator impression I can do. Just so you know, uh, Indie Federation commentators sat at home. If your voice isn't memorable enough, when recollecting, we will just make you Jim Ross. To be fair, one thing I noticed with a lot of these matches was how Mm. good the commentary was. Oh, yeah. The commentary was really, really good. It was really... Because normally I kind of zone out and don't really listen to it because it's all a bit nonsensical, but it was actually really helpful for this. Well, because I think you were noticing here, we watched mostly Ring of Honor and TNA stuff where they don't have the WWE edict of push the hashtag, Mm goddammit. Talk about the network, goddammit. How how much does the network cost? I I don't know. 98. 999 cents, Maga. You know what I didn't like about this match? I didn't know how much the network cost. That yeah. was really annoying. I didn't know what hashtag to track on social media. It was ridiculous. The yeah. unhealth, the calling the names Awful. of the moves. No good. The, Who cares about that? It, it actually was quite handy. It was really it? good, yeah. Because, you know, you actually get to know what the moves are mm-hmm. as a result. Because they will yell them out after they happen, you know? Something as well about Samoa Joe, which is very, very incredible. It's something I wish that WWE had kind of realised and would have probably signed him earlier. Is that even though he is... He looks overweight at a, at a glance. You know, he doesn't look like overweight for his build or whatever. He just looks like he is a larger gentleman. But his stamina is ridiculous. Mm. He wrestled a very long physical match, around 30 minutes bell to bell, and he didn't... You remember when Steiner in our last episode ran out of breath and then his punches start looking fucking weak? At the end of this match, the chops and kicks were still as hard as they were before, and they were actually hitting each other, so that made it even... Can you imagine how how sore your hand would be at the end of that match? Honestly, I've hit things before by accident and then been like, (laughs) ow, my hand's like out of use for the rest of the day. They fucking hit each other. Incredible. So hard and so many times. There was like kind of um, a point where the two of them squared off and just started slapping each other as hard as they come. It was very kind of Japanese... They call it strong style, which is kind of the harder you hit, the better you are, kind right. of essentially. And they were just like hitting each other hell for leather, screaming. Two guys didn't speak speak the same language, but the emotion, the story was so apparent between the two of them. I absolutely loved it. The muscle buster, which is Joe's amazing finishing move, was kicked out of by Kenta here. Do you like that? It's when he goes in the corner and he walks around. You know, he picks him up on his shoulders like that and oh, then he drops yeah. him back. I love that move. Do you know how Joe got that move? How? There is an anime called Ultimate Muscle. Oh my god, did he get it from an anime? The main character, Kid Muscle. Ah! He's all, he, well, Kid Muscle is the champion. He's also kind of nuts. He could probably save the universe if he only had some guts. I knew the theme song. But anyway, <laughs> he, he does the, the, the finisher from the anime, Ultimate Muscle. Kid Muscle did the muscle buster and Joe does the muscle buster wow. and I can tell you in 2005 as a kid who was watching Ultimate Muscle when this really cool badass did a move from anime and the guy in the commentary is like that's the muscle buster I'm like fuck yeah it is I'm that telling all my friends so nerdy and I love it I love it I fucking <laughs> love that 
so much. More wrestlers should do that. Absolutely. I'm surprised like um, Xavier Woods hasn't done something like that since he's the biggest nerd. Well, seeing as he's doing Final Fantasy level up music every that's time, true. that's close <laughs> enough, you know. Speaking of finishes, Kabashi's finisher was fucking dangerous. It is. He puts one hand behind your head, lift it up, and then he kind of grabs you from behind, like he would do like a, a regular German suplex or a belly to back suplex, and he throws them backwards. The difference is. Joe didn't land on his back or his shoulders. Mm-mm. Where did Joe land? On his head. On his head. Or his, maybe his neck. I was trying to work it out. It looks like he lands on his head. It is. What they do is they kind of hunch up the shoulder a little bit and try and take it on the shoulder, but it looks like you're landing on I your neck. I guess Joe's lucky in that he's kind of Broad-shouldered, yeah. kind of, yeah. You'll notice when they're like seemingly landing on their heads that the shoulder's kind of propping them up yeah. and then they kind of fall backwards. Still, though. It properly looked like he was getting... Dropped on his head. Killed. Yeah, like he was going to be injured <laughs> yeah. seriously. And, and that happened like twice, wasn't they? Did it twice in this match? Three times. Three times. Three times. Wow. Very, very scary. Absolutely. And then there's a bit towards the end where Kenta Kabashi, he went into his final Frieza form. He, he completely hyper evolved. You know, <laughs> they gave him the Noah stone and he turned into his final form and he started chopping Samoa Joe. And I tried to count and I lost count. I love counting. I'm really good at counting. I can count to over 100, okay? That's a huge number. And, uh, yeah, I lost count. Someone needs to do, a, like, a video of every single strike in that match. <laughs> Someone needs to count it. I, I'd like to say that it's unique to this match, but it's not. That's what Kenta Kabashi does. Yeah. It's hard-hitting stuff. Um, yeah, but Joe, after being dropped on his head for the third time, and his chest as well, has all these marks and contusions and handprints. So I was and... saying beforehand, as we were watching, I was like, oh god, his chest must be fucking raw. Mm. And then sure enough, you can see towards the end of the match, it is, it's bloody and Oof. covered in red wounds. So when this match ends and Kenta Kabashi wins, um, you kind of get the sense that both men have kind of have really made their point, so to yeah. speak. And my God, it was absolutely breathtaking. I mean, I saw this match back in the day. I knew it was one that was recommended. What were your thoughts, though? A very different match to maybe what you're used to seeing. Very different to what I normally enjoy and to what I'm used to seeing, definitely. But it was really, really cool, really fun match, even though it was just... Because we make fun of a lot of wrestlers for just, like, striking Or doing the kicking. same moves or yeah. slamming. Especially when they're particularly not that impressive moves. But Kabashi and Samoa Joe managed to make a strike look really impressive. I mean, it, it is impressive because they're actually hitting each other. I mean, there is more. There is a real ebb and flow here where you oh, feel like yeah. guys... Are, it's not as if they're sitting backstage going, well, I thought tonight I'd do some chops. Cool, see you out there. <laughs> I don't feel I know enough about wrestling yet to know exactly about the ebb, ebb and flow and how that worked so well, but it just it wasn't boring. It was yeah, really yeah. interesting the whole way through. There was really good pauses I guess yeah you never felt that one guy was in control for too long or one guy I mean both guys came out looking amazing they felt really felt really evenly matched now one that I'm always interested in with new fans as well um, obviously when we dip into the ring of honour particularly stuff from 2005 lower camera quality small crowds low production values how did that impact your... Because inju- a lot of Joe stuff will be like this, where yeah. it is kind of low-quality stuff. Would that put you off? This watching? was the hardest one of them all to watch in terms of um, camera quality. Mm. 
especially because I didn't really know what Kabashi looked like, and I quite like knowing what wrestlers look like when I see them. There was fight. a big bright light in this one. Like every yeah. time Kabashi was in the middle of the ring, he looked like a, a godly figure, yeah. like more, more figuratively and literally. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't find myself. I think I only once or twice found myself going, "God, I wish this was higher quality," which yeah. just shows how good the match is. That me, who is normally very pedantic about this kind of thing, wasn't that bothered by it. So. Yeah, no, really, really good stuff. Absolutely brilliant. So Joe spent time in Ring of Honor. At the same time, while he was kind of really making his name Ring of Honor, TNA, which was coming up as the number two organization that was kind of risen from the ashes of the Monday Night Wars. So when you say number two, number two after WWE. Yeah. Okay. A very, 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 very distant two. And this is after WCW closed down? Yeah, yeah. Like that. Okay. So WCW would have closed down in 2001, end of 2002, started 2003, kind of some of the scraps started kind of aggregating to form TNA. There's always going to be another place for wrestling. How yeah. successful it is, it really depends. But what's something that TNA was doing, other than giving a home for guys who had either burnt bridges or simply didn't want to work for WWE anymore for whatever reason, they also opened the door to a lot of guys from Ring of Honor. And they were really smart. They looked at guys that were popular there and said, do you want to come in here? And a lot of their main TNA stars had their start in Ring of Honor, and Samoa Joe, when he came on the scene, really blew people away because not only could he wrestle this fast style that TNA called X Division, basically meant, you know, the kind of wrestling you like, really. Yeah. You know, high-flying, springboards, hard-kicking, no kind of limits, that kind of thing. And the fact that Joe came in with a completely different body type but could still do that exact yeah. thing blew everyone's mind. No more so than when we come to our next match, a match which is also a five-star match. <laughs> Can you tell I'm trying to make up for me and Joe having to watch Royal Rumble 2003 with Scott Steiner yeah. and Triple H's pants showing? Ugh. Unbreakable 2005, the legendary triple threat match, which has often been called the best match in TNA history. Wow. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe versus Christopher Daniels. Now, Joe was undefeated in TNA at this point, so he was around for nearly a year, and he was never pinned or submitted. Oh. They always made him out like he was this absolute killer. Um, coming into this match, where I was kind of difficult not to start kind of going, you will love this. <laughs> you did a little bit. But I'm pretty sure I did tell you, you will love this. Yeah, you kind of said... if. If you liked the last match, you'll really like this match. Because mm. I think the first one you were kind of a bit unsure about. Yeah. But this one you were, you were quite confident, it seemed. Yeah. Samoa Joe's hair is longer in this one, even still. Even still, you know. Yeah. Even still. He's got. Do you like his towel as well? It's something I've always yeah. been big into. Wrestlers who have towels. I always thought the towel thing was silly until Samoa Joe had one, and now I think it's really cool. I think it, maybe it's because the pers first person you saw with the towel was Chad Gable, who had nah, his name written on. Cena. Oh, Cena, that's a tea towel, that's different. Oh, uh, it's an awful little towel. It's an awful little towel. <laughs> he got free for sending away boxes of Calvita, since you can't see me never. <laughs> give up you know a really motivational tea for when you're getting through the dishes you know but no the idea of a wrestler who comes out with like an actual towel yeah i don't know why it just screams badass to me really like he's such a pro that he's concerned about wiping down afterwards yeah because you're gonna sweat it does make it seem a bit more like it's a sport or something yeah like I, I don't know it makes guys seem so fucking like proper you mentioned to me that you thought i particularly like aj styles yeah this is the first time i've seen him you Not... saw a little bit of christopher daniels yeah. in the young bucks episode but, um, uh, yeah. but this was my first aj styles match Thoughts on AJ? He's awesome, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. Wow. He can do some flips. Dem flip-de-doos. Dem flip-de-doos. <laughs> Bit of a shame about his inability to cut a promo. I haven't seen that yet. So. And his fundamental Christian beliefs. Oh. The gay community. Oh, 
Oh, no. <laughs> we'll save that for Haiti style. Oh, no. But this match started off big, big fucking fight feel for this one. And it, I liked it that they are, they're treating this championship, the X Division Championship, as being a huge, huge deal. The fact that these three guys were really well established. I was very distracted, though, by the ring announcer, Jeremy Borash, had a collar straight out of the fucking Sopranos. Yeah. I mean, the collar on his shirt was so wide, it was it was brushing against his shoulder blades. It's very 70s. The following contest is a triple threat match. Ow! <laughs> Introducing to my corner from my right, and then he grabs him by the throat and puts a gun to his head, and then he hugs him. You know, no, sadly, no. It was just bad attire for this one. Um, they start this match off really entertaining. It's so funny. Christopher Daniels, who is the embattled champion, who's fighting against the odds here because it's a triple threat match, and the two guys just start kicking him mm-hmm. over and over. Yeah, they seem to be. Uh, AJ was like showing Samoa Joe how to kick him in the back. This is how you kick someone. No, no, no like this. And then Samoa Joe was like, okay, yeah, I think I can kick him in the back. And he kicks him in the back. And they just both kick him in the back for a while. Over and over. Poor poor Christopher Daniels. <laughs> He's like, stop kicking me. And then they both kick him at the same time. And I love that because this is a match where you took it. Everyone I thought I took very seriously in this. Yeah. And I think you can do a bit of comedy in wrestling. Hell yeah. And still tell a very serious story. There's some people who are so like opposed to any sort of humour or any sort of lightheartedness. So those people hate fun. I guess so. I think those people think that after the, you know, because of that, Christopher Daniels looks like less of a star because he's, you know, he's silly. He really doesn't. He came across so well in this match, I thought. And I think, you know, it's nice when you've got, you know, a 30-minute slugfest. A bit of fucking brevity is nice, mm-hmm. you know? Everyone taking it so fucking seriously all the time. A little bit at the start, I think, goes a long, long way. Personally, as a, as a newer wrestling fan, I love it. I need some lightheartedness in my wrestling. Well, I would definitely say, like, as a long-term fan as well, if, if you don't make me laugh on a wrestling show, you've done something wrong. Because yeah. wrestling has to have funny bits in it. Yeah, I'm not saying that every single wrestler has to be really funny. Oh, no. But there does, within a show, there needs to be light moments, there needs to be darker, heavier moments. And they don't need to be relegated to, here's the comedy guy who's going no. to come out dressed as a clown and fall in some poop. You no. know, it can be a little <laughs> bit more than that. It can involve kicks. Now, most triple threat matches, if you've watched many before, usually involve... The WWE formula for a triple threat match is three guys square off, the commentators talk about how the champion's at a disadvantage, then one of them conveniently disappears to the Phantom Realm, and then you have a a regular two-person match. And then at another point... That person comes back from the the, the Phantom Zone yeah. and the other person disappears and then you have another one-on-one match. This was completely different because you had three people fighting in the ring, reacting to three... It, it was... Every move was involving... It was oh, really fast. How can they do that? It was so incredible. Especially considering how long the... How long was the match? It was over half an hour. It was. It yeah. seemed like a long match. It was a lengthy match. Fast, constant... Would you say that is that the work rate? Oh, absolutely, yeah, work, work rate. Because you're yeah. talking about like basically bumps or moves per minute. Yeah. And you know everyone was doing. There was not many instances of guys kind of going right. I'm taking a bit of a break now. No long chin locks or slow bullshit spots where someone doesn't actually do anything and just stays down for yeah, ages. Scott Steiner, take note when you call Samoa Joe fat, seeing as he can do way more moves than you. 
per yeah, minute. Per minute. For way longer. Just check your NPM before you start calling people fat, Scott. That's all I'm saying. Or maybe he should just learn that fat people can be way stronger and more athletic than uh, his body-built ass. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. why, Scott Steiner, you shouldn't just spend time on your glamour muscles. He's all yeah. buys and tries, this guy. You he know? needs to He's... work out his, like, core. There's some sort of secret muscle inside Samoa Joe, which he obviously works out a lot, that makes him be amazing. Yeah. It's just like scowling muscle deep inside his sternum that's got a mean look on I'm his face. I'm actually really interested as to what his, considering I know quite a lot about wrestling workout routines because mm. of that one article I read. <laughs> <laughs> but Samoa Joe wasn't on there because obviously he's not on the main show. I'm actually really intrigued as to what his uh, workout routine is I imagine like. it's just like, he. I know he does a lot of kickboxing and he yeah. has like actual training in uh, judo. Because a lot of his moves are kind of judo-based moves, yeah. the the chokes and the throws and whatnot. So I know he does a lot of that. He does a lot of like mat work, which is probably how he's got this amazing stamina because he trains as if he's going to be in an actual fight. Wow. So he's kind of got that like he would train and eat, I guess, with that in mind. Yeah. Now he has had huge fluctuations in his weight over the years. He has, did you say? Yeah, he has. Oh, really? Like okay. he's gotten quite light at times and then gotten heavier. But I mean, you know, I think the consistent thing with him has been he's always had that stamina, yeah. really, you know. Um, some incredible three-man spots here, like moves where like a guy is just like throwing a guy as hard as he can and he's going to slam him and then someone slips in there and it's mm-hmm. a Hurricane Rana or a clothesline or something like that. Around five minutes in, I had a mental counter I was going with Joe, which was Joe's whoa count it's a very <laughs> it's a very special type of, of of reaction because you start off going whoa as in like oh that's nice and then obviously something else happens that makes you go whoa <laughs> so it's kind of it, it takes a bit of a jump I know you know what you mean yeah it's the whoa ah yeah exactly and you had multiples of those so there were matches where there were spots in this where they were starting off and they were already making Joe go wow yeah and then they did something that made her do an even bigger wow AJ Styles did a leg head spin thing, which after I called it a leg head spin thing, you're like, honey, that's called a head scissors. Yes, head scissors. Yeah. Very beautiful move. What a move. The absolute, the momentum which Styles can move himself is crazy. But and that's both men involved in that. Joe's moving just as quickly there yeah, to help yeah, him spin yeah. around. And then Daniels did an amazing move off the top rope, flipping backwards onto them. Onto oh, them yeah. Both. Absolutely incredible. There were so many, like, it's not often I make note of moves that happen in matches because I don't know them that well. So I have to kind of describe them to myself. But there were a fair few in this one. I think I with these guys the, the the focus is kind of their moves yeah. and you know what those moves are and that's a big defining characteristic for them so knowing their moves is kind of you kind of feel like you want to know their moves a little bit more with guys like this yeah uh, daniels does this split legged moonsault that he does where he kind of just bounces his legs and it is a thing of absolute fucking beauty because he does that and then joe does a dive and then they're both dead on the ground aj does a springboard shooting star so that's like a backwards flip but he does it forwards, so his body flips backwards. Like, yeah. I don't know how magic. your body... Ma- it is magic, simply put. Yeah, I think he must be able to fly. There were some spots that were so ridiculous. I'm looking here at my notes, and I started to describe them and then gave up. Right. As in, the stuff that happened I it was just breathtaking. Yeah. You need to see this match to really appreciate the yeah. breadth of spots that don't are in this. Don't just listen to us talk about this match. Watch the match. Please do. <laughs> Joe gets his finishing move locked in at one point, which is the rear naked choke, the dreaded Kokita clutch. And AJ breaks it up, not by kicking him or by, you know, pulling his arms off. He does a devastating move off the top rope where he twists and turns his body in a multitude of directions. It's called the spiral tap. 
But if you played Street Fighter, it's the spiral arrow, basically, that mm-hmm. Cammy does, where he just twists his body around like that yeah. and he landed right on top of them. You were... You blew your mind when this happened. It was the part where Joe had him in the move and then AJ literally jumped on top of the two of them while they were still in a submission. Like, right. he just splattered okay, yeah, onto yeah. them. So, yeah, that was absolutely incredible, that one. I mean, yeah. uh, mind-blowing. Speaking of moves, mm-hmm. uh, everyone knows my feelings towards the Tree of Woe. The Tree of Oh No. Yeah. Um, and Samoa Joe actually put Daniels in a tree of woe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ready to go, uh, here we go. <laughs> Throw up your laptop and walk yeah. out of the house. Like. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> um, but he did hook his feet underneath the ring. Yeah, actually hooked them in, yeah, yeah. And he did look stuck. Daniels, I saw him at one point trying to move his leg, and yeah. he couldn't. Ah. And when, uh, after the attack, he didn't just fall down, which pisses me off, because he... if he could fall down, he'd fall down. yeah. yeah. Joe had to come over and unhook his leg. And yeah. So that is how you do a tree of row. And don't piss me off. Or expose the business. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, a lot of things that piss off Jim Ross seem to piss off Joe. Has anyone else noticed that? I mean, it mm, could maybe be. Maybe Joe is the business. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Um, one other really amazing move was uh, Samoa Joe having both Daniels and Styles on his on a shoulder each. Oh yeah, flipping them. Both that was over. absolutely incredible. All three men went. They were like both on the top rope and were like, "This isn't going to end well." And yeah. Joe just one hand each just goes. <laughs> That's strength. You know it's you know it's incredible when it's a spot that if I did it with my toys when I was ten I would have been like Kevin that that's not gonna happen <laughs> you're gonna end up with three stars in in the in in with injuries if you do that spot so I wouldn't do that well, as you a child. You weren't banking on one of your soft toys being Samoa Joe. Clearly that is obviously not something that's I. That's the mistake you made. Uh, I clearly Joe did a twisting suicide dive as it was called where not only did he dive through the ropes he dived through the ropes and flipped his body over in. The series. Wow. Yeah. How even? Not real. So Joe hits the muscle buster and following some zaniness involving the championship belt, which looks like it's going to be uh, used in an illegal manner. And then Daniels hit his incredible finishing move, the BME, which was stands for best moonsault ever. Ah, it's where he jumps up one and then he bounces back. <laughs> Oh no, what do you think BME stands for? Well, to me, BM stands for bowel movement. Right. But I thought maybe the E could stand for like an evacuation or something. So like bowel movement evacuated. I don't know. I thought the B of... I thought the BME is like kind of a rival to the enemy if it did like a parody of it, like right. kind of gone, Yeah, this is this is them saying all that stuff about the Kaiser Chiefs that's not true. The BME, the bowel it? movement. <laughs> You know, that's what it could have been. But yeah, the best moonsault ever. But the reason I wrote that down is that, um, again, half an eye on Joe on this one, because I, I've seen this match many, many times. Still made me react, like, freak out, even though I've seen this probably three or four times. But when he hit the BME, Joe said, Whoa, did you see that fucking hell? I've never seen such a high jump. And then you looked me in the eyes and said, Like, seriously fucking ever. <laughs> So that's probably the biggest reaction I've ever seen from a single maneuver. I love that you write down my actions because I, at the time, I just have no idea what I'm saying most of the time. I forget that I am so silly. Well, what about that you've not seen these moves before? I guess, and it's yeah, like, okay. it's just that amazing to me. It's just, I mean, really, that that flip was incredible. Because the other move then that happened afterwards, which was the Styles Clash, which is AJ Styles' finishing move, where he picks him up like a pile driver and he jumps face forward. Yeah. 
you blew your mind as well. Yeah. And I realised, well, you've never seen that. I mean, that's I've seen that at least twice every time AJ Styles wrestles. So I kind of, I'm a little bit immune to it now, I guess. But some spectacular offence in this match. It's really cool that just by watching wrestlers I haven't seen before, I'm discovering all these incredible moves. Yeah. It's really shocking me. Yeah, it's it really, really, really cool. quite feel valuable about the fact that I haven't seen much wrestling. Yeah, there's all this stuff out there. It's not often I feel so lucky about being a new wrestling fan, but I do feel very lucky. Definitely, because I mean, you're seeing at the moment in NXT this kind of trickling down almost. It yeah. took like 10 years for this kind of style or these types of wrestlers to get noticed by WWE, and now they finally are. And now you've got this 10 years of back catalogue that really, yeah. you know, they were doing it already, you know, which is quite amazing. AJ Styles win this one when he reversed Christopher Daniels' Angel's Wings, his finishing move. So the finish kind of came out of nowhere. But I think this is easily the best match in TNA history and one of the greatest triple threat matches ever. Yeah. Um, Samoa Joe, you know, what I like most about Joe is that you could throw Joe into these scenarios and straight away... It did weigh with the common criticism of this style of wrestling, which is it's two short white guys. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's usually what it is. It's true. Yeah. Van- the vanilla midget is often used to describe these types of wrestlers. Yeah, you you can do flips, you're amazing, but you look boring and you've got no charisma. Yeah. And once you throw Samoa Joe in there, really, it mm-hmm. kind of makes both Daniels and Styles seem a lot more interesting by proxy. It's Yeah, it's completely true. It's a completely different match than if it had just been... Like Styles and Daniels, I'm sure I would have enjoyed a match by them with them anyway. Mm. But having Samoa Joe in there just made it just fantastic. Absolutely. It just made it. Yeah, no, it's really, really fantastic stuff. But yeah, definitely a match which was highly recommended. I can only recommend it as, as as much as possible. A lot of a lot of times there might be matches which get five stars where people say, Oh, All Star Classic, you should check it out. And you might need a lot of context to enjoy it. Mm. But honestly, if you are someone out there and you want to show someone what wrestling can be without ladders, chairs, blood, you know, storyline even. Because the only story in this was guy has belt and two men want belt. This one I think is really good to show someone who's not really seen much wrestling at all. Like I know there's been a few people who've kind of sent us messages saying, oh, what should I show my friend who likes to do wrestling? Or just generally, what what matches can I recommend? This one? is a solid recommendation and you and your friend will not be disappointed because you don't need any explanation no and also as well on the, the, the problem i had before with you know we mentioned like one of the first episodes about showing people you know big car crash matches like hell in a cell like hell in a cell and stuff is that then they see other matches and kind of go ah that doesn't happen though but you, you watch this it, yeah. yeah you watch this though and then you watch like nxt or a lot of WWE, you will see yeah. that style at not to the same extent obviously but you will see that type of wrestling and that type of wrestler yeah. which i think is quite important as well next match which we watched with samoa joe is one which came highly recommended highly touted this was the most successful angle that TNA ever did mm. and came in, f- coming from a pay-per-view that was the most money TNA ever made on a single show. Wow. This was TNA Lockdown 2008, which saw Samoa Joe challenging Kurt Angle for the TNA Heavyweight Championship of the World. First time I'd seen Kurt Angle. I really? Think, I think so, because I don't recognise him with all the bald head. You've heard the name before, though. He's one of those wrestlers, yeah, that I've heard so much about. He's yeah. got the famous dad, right? No. No, I'm getting him confused with the other. There are a few wrestlers I get all confused with. Kurt Angle and Curtis Axel. Oh. <laughs> I get confused all the time. Well, I honestly, in fairness. 
before this match, I couldn't have pointed out which was which. Oh man, poor old. Yeah, Kurt. Right. The, the no, names it's true. Are really similar. It's true. There's a, there's a certain cadence and pronunciation there, and if yeah. you've not seen them, I mean, he's the one with the famous dad, right? Curtis Axel is the famous dad. Okay. Yeah. And Kurt Angle is the one with the shaved head and, and the, the gold medal, Olympic gold medal, and the the teeth thing, the mouth guard, yeah, as well. Yeah. So Kurt here. What was interesting about this was that people were... This is probably one of the most requested, if not the most requested match. Yeah. And people really love this match. This is quite a weird one and not typical in many ways because Kurt Angle in this one doesn't wrestle in his regular wrestling gear. He's very much dressed up like this is mixed martial arts. Yeah. And Joe kind of reacts that way as well. And what you have in this match is a very different story, which is essentially them trying to be UFC for a night, kind of. Okay. In that it was a lot of submission wrestling and ground-based stuff and, you know, defense and guarding and an actual fight as opposed to here two wrestlers, you know, trying to wrestle or whatever. So it was quite different as a result of that. These two had met three times before and Kurt had won all three feuds. Wow. Which is a bit of a problem and points out one huge, huge, huge problem that Joe had in his career, which was 2005-2006, Samoa Joe, fuck yeah, awesome, he's TNA, you know, really popular, undefeated for a long time. 2007 comes, oh, we've actually managed to sign Kurt Angle away from WWE, and Christian, and Booker T, and Kevin Nash, and the Dudley Boys, and kind of, TNA stopped being about... Those guys who I originally mentioned, the guys yeah. from, from, from Ring of Honor, are the guys who really helped put it together. And it started being more of a showcase for, here are the guys who aren't in the other company anymore. Cough, cough, Scott Steiner, cough, cough. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember being really disappointed that Kurt Angle was brought in and the first thing they did was pair him with Samoa Joe. And Joe was undefeated and Kurt Angle was going to be this total badass and Kurt was very much a WWE guy and he came in and in his first match, Kurt beat Samoa Joe clean like that was it Samoa Joe was beaten and there was this common thread which is the guys from over there are better for more guys over here see that's just ridiculous why is that ridiculous for you as a as a a new fan isn't it well it's ridiculous when you've got it'd be fair enough if they were all amazing but come on not every single guy from WWE Kurt Angle is amazing yeah Kurt Angle okay to be fair this is the only match of his I've seen so I can't speak for him yeah but Scott Steiner can be amazing (laughs) yeah can also be shit. Yeah. I'm sure that's the case with every other wrestler mm. pretty much from WWE. I mean, Joe is just so special. It's just that once Joe got beat and it was kind of not a big deal to beat Joe anymore. Yeah. And as other people came in and other writers came in and had more, felt that Joe was less of a star and could make them less money, that Joe just stopped being kind of, you know, featured in as, as, as prominently. And this was kind of his peak in TNA, this match. But he never really got a bit further than that, which is really, really sad to see. Um, there's a lot of... The word shoot is used to describe what happens here. Okay. Because at the start of this match, they were kind of grappling for real. Like okay. taking each other down and right. stuff like that. Um, for me, that was kind of like, wow, that's some pretty cool wrestling there. I did notice you were not as engaged with this Yeah, one. I didn't really like this match. How come? It was mainly submission moves, Mm -hmm. which I find a bit dull. Mm. I'm not really a massive submission move gal. Even in 
WK16. Suck at, sorry, 2K16. I suck at them. That's true. It's the easiest way to beat Joe. <laughs> so we're feuding Kevin Owens and Mankind at the moment, and whoever gets to be Mankind basically wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely see that. I, I wondered if it was a case that you didn't know which moves of Kurtz were kind of finishers or what his specialty was. Because only like halfway through this match, I was like, oh, that's Kurt's finisher, the ankle lock, which is his kind of big, big move. Yeah. And I wonder if, do you think that maybe impacted Maybe, or? yeah, that. And also maybe if I'd known before watching that it was like, shoot. Yeah. Because as it was, it kind of just seemed like they were resting a lot. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what <laughs> happens as a result of it being quite shoot. I'll be honest, people are huge, were at the time very, very big fans of this because yeah. they thought it made wrestling seem legit. I can understand why. Personally, not my thing. I prefer the silliness, uh, but I can completely, 100% see why people like this. I think it's nice because, I mean, obviously, yeah, Joe is like, you know, he's got proper judo background. That's really cool. Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist and wrestler. Mm -hmm. You know, awesome. That's great. However, I think it's at the expense of the the fun of the match. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like they're essentially asking everyone to go, yeah, you know what? Let's not have wrestling tonight. Let's have this instead. Yeah. And this isn't what professional wrestling really is. That's not what's on the name on the marquee. It was really unexpected to come across this match after the other two, which was so amazing, high-flying. Yeah. Because well, people just love this, though, because they could kind of go and go, oh, WWE's doing that phony baloney shit. Look what TNA is doing. Two wrestling guys wrestling in a cage, you know? See, maybe because I'm a new fan, the whole wrestling isn't real thing doesn't piss me off mm. it doesn't much. it doesn't piss me off either to be honest i mean yeah. i'm perfectly willing to admit that you know that show i watch with all the spectacle and the colorful characters and the <laughs> androgynous being from the fifth dimension running around <laughs> um i'm happy to admit that it's not real and i've yeah. not a lot of fans do and i mean uh, this is to each their own it's not me and i'm not judging if you if this is you but a lot of fans have this baggage on their back which is like 10 15 years of being yeah. told their wrestling is phony bullshit and therefore they when they see something like this they have to champion it i think i would be like that if i'd been a fan longer yeah because i think if you've been told pretty much as while you were growing up with this quite niche sport especially if you grew up in england where it's not mainstream it's quite yeah. it's quite is quite alternative that's true and everyone's going oh wrestling that's that thing that isn't real it would piss you off absolutely no very very much so so this was kind of their kind of hit back against it and the one thing I would say as well and the reasons why this probably was TNA's most successful match or its most successful pay-per-view of all time was because it was different to what WWE was doing yeah. they went in a completely different direction and WWE would never do this in a million years have their guy come out in MMA shorts like Kurt Angle Kurt Angle didn't even wear shoes in this one he wore yeah. wraps on his hands and his feet is that why then? because it was UFC in his mind basically what they were doing okay. you know? so again I think it's the kind of thing that would anger UFC fans, so in that sense, it's good, I guess. So was he on <laughs> UFC? No, he thought he was, but he wasn't. Why did the ref rub Kurt's calves at the beginning of the match? Very interesting question. Why, why do you why, why, why do you think that? Because there's, there's, sometimes you see that they'll rub their hands around their arms, and then they'll rub them down there, and then rub the calves. I think it's because Kurt has lovely calves. He does. I mean, I'd rub them if I I'd, saw him. If he gave me his consent, I would love to rub his calves. Absolutely. Um, what he's doing there at the start of every match... Particularly wait, wait. If it... I actually do want to guess. I know my answer was silly, but... Okay, no, please do guess. guess. Okay, is it because... Uh, to warm up the muscles? <laughs> no. No? Good guess, though. Is That's he checking good. for weapons? Yes. Really? Yeah. I did checking... not think it would actually be that. They look through the uh, the 
the, the arms and through the legs to make sure that there's no illegal objects which have been uh, housed within. How would they house any illegal objects on his calves? Um, well, a lot of wrestlers will sometimes put a spike in their boot in but case things go wrong. Bare legs. I know, I guess with Kurt, he was just doing that to see if anything came out of the pants and was shaken he was down. He touching his bare leg. It's part of the, part of the package, <laughs> honey, you know? You, get, you can't just get touched partly, you know, you have to get the whole rub down. That's just the way it is. Yeah. They're patting them down, basically. Okay. I mean, they refused my idea, which is to have all wrestlers walk through a uh, walk through airport uh, an airport security check and go, you know, oh, he's all fired up, Maggle. He wants to defend the championship. Hang on a second. He's left some change there now, so he's going to have to put that in the... Uh, put, yeah, put that at, <laughs> empty your pockets. And he's got a belt on. That's just... Oh, you're going to go right back First to the of back all, of the land. to take on the grouchy airport security guard. That would be the best gimmick. Instant heat. <laughs> Instant heat. Yeah. You know, the wrestlers who he really doesn't like, the real underdog wrestlers have to take off their shoes. Like, yeah, look random at him. security. Yeah, yeah sorry. random security. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, Daniel Bryan has to take off his shoes and his socks. Yeah, random. Right, sure. <laughs> fine. We know what you're at. But yeah, that's kind of why he does the, the rub down at the okay. start there. So a lot of transitions between submissions in this match. You have like Kurt like looking for his submission and then like immediately Joe popping into his. There were some really, really awesome moments where Joe looked like he was trying to take it into actual pro wrestling and start throwing Kurt and then Kurt brings it right back to the ground. Like Joe went for the muscle buster and Kurt kind of flipped around and then brought him right back down mm. with the ankle lock. And it told a good story, which was Kurt wanted to make Joe tap out no matter what. That was how he was going to, to win this match. A really scary looking submission by Joe as well, where he yeah. had the, it's quite like, it's it's like the, the Boston Crab it's usually called, where he pulled the legs back, but he had them kind of on his side and his knee in the back of his head. It looked like he was going to break the man. Was that the one where um, Kurt was like grabbing onto uh, ref, uh, the ref's shirt? Yeah, because what happened was he went into that and then he put him into like a cross face and Joe has this amazing thing where... He had them in the submission, and any time Kurt got out of the submission, Joe just put him in another submission. Yeah. And like, tuck him underneath again, like, whoop, grab your arm. Like, Kurt was desperately trying to get to the rope, and then he yeah. just grabbed his arm, turned it around, and made it more sore. But yeah, he started grabbing the referee, Kurt, which was fucking awesome. Because yeah. Kurt actually literally had no way to get to the ropes. He just grabbed the referee, and as the referee was saying, get off me, he ended up in the ropes. And if you get in the ropes, you have to let go of the submission hold, you see. So, a right. lot of drama in that match as a result. And um, the ankle lock by Kurt, though, gets reversed into the rear naked choke, Kurt gets out of it using the referee, but Joe ends up hitting the muscle buster and wins a very grueling ground-based match. One which was very, very different, but I guess was showing another side of Joe, which is that kind of match style, the submission style. I wish I knew more about amateur wrestling, which is ridiculously named, so I could understand a bit more about what happened in this match, maybe appreciate it a bit more, because mm. it did seem slow to me, and I feel that's a shame because I, I don't really understand what... I'm worried if I say this, it's going to sound like I'm saying there's no skill involved, and that's no, not no, what no, I'm it's saying. Not, no. It's just for me, I can't recognise that skill. Absolutely. Because I have no experience in it. No, it's like the, the person who sits down and watches the UFC and kind of goes, why are they hugging each other? Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. And it's the idea of waiting if you're like kind of in a stalemate kind of position where both neither guy has the advantage so neither man wants to let go of the hold because that means that you might open yourself up for another move right. so you're both stood there kind of waiting for an opening throwing in little shots see if you can make the guy move so then you might get some I sort of advantage incredibly exhausting oh absolutely you have to be constantly like on and to be there with kurt angle as well and kurt is 
he's an absolute beast yeah. you know Kurt Angle you know will wrestle anyone like proper wrestling like that I've actually just googled Kurt Angle because it was bothering me because I swear I've seen him before but I Curtis not, Angle I did not recognise him and I do I've seen him before I don't think I've seen him in a match before but I've seen him in promo videos and stuff he's talked about a lot isn't he yes he is I don't know how he looks so different in this picture I found where I recognise him to the match we saw where he looked. I think because he had hair originally back in the day is probably what you're thinking of I don't of. know because this picture he doesn't have hair and I recognise him there mm, maybe it's because he's he's, a, he's in TNA he did get slim and scary yeah that's the thing I think that's it he's <laughs> really slim yeah whereas the Kurt Angle I'm familiar with is proper big dude bulky. yeah yeah now, this match, which Joe won, actually ends up being Joe's only TNA championship, which he wow. would end up dropping to. I mean, this just shows you, right? Joe finally wins the championship. Who do you think Joe lost the belt to? Oh, Sting. Oh. You know? And that's kind of, that shows you where TNA's priorities were. Right. And Joe never got the belt again. Okay. Which, if you told me that there was a company, and the most successful show they ever did, the most pay-per-views they ever sold, the most money they ever made, and the most kind of eyes or buzz there was about it involved two guys Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe but I would make sure that both of those guys were a big part of the company going forward you think but no sadly not for Joe and Joe was so underutilized in the years to come and a real bad reason for that was a lot of change of management in TNA and he went from the likes of say um, Zeb Coulter who uh, would have written for for TNA at the time, who was a big fan of Joe's. Oh, he wrote for TNA? He wrote for TNA back around this time. And Vince Russo, who was there as well, went from them to the dream team of Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, controlling a lot of things in TNA. And Joe was just... Didn't fit their early 90s vision of what wrestling should be. Mm. A lot of shit stuff happened to Samoa Joe. Thrown in random tag teams, random feuds, lost, lost. Was still... Samoa Joe, but just, I mean, I I remember being so upset with TNA, and one of the main reasons why I fell out of love with TNA was their mishandling of Samoa Joe. I mean, it's very easy to look at a company that pushes a lot of old guys and stuff and go, ah, they're shit. But the real failure of that company was the fact that they had the likes of AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, every single one of which has left that company Mm. because they weren't happy with how they were treated or pushed. Yeah, And that's, if you can't hang on to those guys, and it's not as if WWE were beating down the door trying to get Joe no. and Daniels and Styles, they don't, they don't even have Styles or, or, or Daniels. They don't want them. And that's, like, horrible, you know? That's why I really view that company negatively for, like, life as a result of that. A lot of fans you will find will have negative impressions of TNA for that reason, even though I've shown you some pretty awesome TNA that's matches. That's the thing. It's so weird thinking that the second match you showed me was a TNA match, and the... Stuff you showed me with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and Sting. From the company that brought you, that triple threat brought you that's Hulk so Hogan versus Sting. That's kind of only just occurred to me that's the same company. And if you want, if you turn, if someone asked me tomorrow or any day from now on and go, what, what do you think of TNA? I'll go, teenage shit. Yeah. And I'll probably give you a, you know, a, a short answer as to why I think that is. But even though it's a company where I find out so much about other wrestlers and Joe particularly and that was was a huge part my entryway into indie wrestling and the world beyond WWE I still look back with foul memories of that company because of that what was nice though was that Joe still had the ability to be put in a match and pull something out of the bag and no more so was that apparent on this next match which we were watching with Joe which was Slammiversary 2012 which finds a spinning his wheels Samoa Joe 
taking on the X Division champion Austin Aries. And the two of these guys burnt down the fucking house. An absolute showcase in this one. I love this. So now Joe, talking about his hair again, but he's got a little mohawk. He does! That's pretty cool. They did at one point with Joe give him a little bit more of a tribal thingy where they gave him like face paint and he had ah, kind of different pants and then he had a mohawk. Didn't look very good to no. be honest. I do prefer his current look than the mohawk. Yeah, but it's the, interesting seeing kind of how he's slowly... Because his shorts have always been the same, haven't they? Or they have the same changed style. slightly. He kind of has like the flap shorts now, kind of. Well, he has one that's red and one that's black, right? But they kind of, instead of just being shorts, they have kind of like... It's, it's cut like that and they overlap. Kind of like curtain shorts almost. Oh, okay. And I know they used to be white and black. Yeah, he has just different colours, kind of yeah. two-tone ones usually. But he's not really changed his look no. that much other than some... He doesn't need to. Well, anytime he's changed his look, it's because someone in TNA had <laughs> told him that he needed to. Right. You know, and that's why you get Joe looking like he's in Mad Max or something like that on one or two occasions. But this match was fucking incredible. Hard hitting stuff. Everyone hits all their big, big happy moves. Austin Aries was someone else who I was thinking that you would be a big fan of or yeah. what you thought of him in this match. Some amazing moves from him, um, including a 450 splash, he said it was called. A 450 splash, yes, yeah. where he spins around in the air at a rate of knots before splashing onto Samoa Joe. It looked like he'd like gained his own... Um... Do you know why it's called a 450 splash? Does he turn 450 degrees? Very good. Thank you. So he does a full 360 rotation plus an extra 90 degrees. Yeah. Now, I've never been there with the old uh, protractor to measure that shit. But uh, I'm just assuming it's above board. I trust the man. You know, that's all. That's all. <laughs> okay, whether the mathematicians do the same, who knows. Joe has this awesome spot. We didn't get to see a lot of it uh, with his earlier matches because they're all very, very competitive. But Joe, when he was working with the lower card guys in TNA, did this great stuff, which is where he would just look bemused when people tried stuff. Like the time where Austin Aries chops him really hard, and Joe gives him this look as if to say, have you not seen my match with Kenji Kardashian? <laughs> do you not know that that's, no, it's not going to work? He would do a thing as well where like a high-flying guy would like jump up to the top rope and then try and dive after him, and he would literally just stand to one side and go yeah, like... Yeah, someone sent in a yeah, gif of him just... Fucking the, love it. Swats one, him out. <laughs> the one I saw was amazing he isn't even facing the direction of the guy who's in the corner doing a back flip onto him yeah he's not even looking at him and he just walks off at just the right and moment and he just this little saunter super casual fucking saunter. love it absolutely so cool is Samoa Joe literally the coolest wrestler ever because I think he might be well that's what was cool about Joe is that even though he was not being booked in good feuds and the writing was shit and he wasn't getting title opportunities he was still finding ways in his matches that people, I mean, people would still chant Joe's gonna kill you, which yeah. is the chant for Joe. And they would chant that even though the company and the management had made it very apparent that he wasn't gonna be killing anyone. Right. Um, but he would still do stuff like this in match, matches that made him seem like he was just a step above or just a total fucking, a total badass. And I think he was able to do that without making his opponents look like they were shit. It wasn't yeah. that you're shit, it's that he's really good. He's really, really good. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, we got that 450 splash by Austin Aries. Joe does that corner slam as well, where he's stood in the corner and someone runs really fast towards him and he just goes, and he picks him out in midair and splats him down. Very, very pleasing offense. Um, Austin Aries ends up winning this one, hitting a very sick corner drop kick, following up with his brain buster. Austin Aries wins this one, but um, one which is on YouTube on the TNA's, on TNA's channel, 
I would definitely say check this one out because it's just a short, sweet. It's only around eight minutes long compared yeah. to some of the longer ones. I love this match. It's one of my faves from from the era. I don't know what you thought. Oh, I loved it. I really, really liked this match. To be honest, I loved every single match that we watched uh, for Samoa Joe. The only one I think that I like less, obviously, is the one with Kurt Angle just for the submission thing. Yeah. But even that had amazing moments. That's true. I'll be honest, looking back at that one, I was kind of... I felt underwhelmed But maybe by that's it. because you're watching it with me and you're looking for my reactions. Yeah, it and... could be. Interesting. If yeah. you are, if you think why it is that we should like that match, please tweet in. You I know? think it's that I don't have the knowledge needed to appreciate it. I think so. It's, it's a, a next tier level of, uh, of wrestling fandom, the ability to watch grown men cuddle each other for an hour. <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm entertaining to watch matches with because I make silly noises and squeals and I, yeah. I'm easily entertained. That's true. If he transitions <laughs> from a half mount to full mount position, I'm expecting a <laughs> to happen. You, you very much as well, you need the audience to, if the audience aren't feeling the match, you've said before that you kind of no, that's also true. feel. So I wonder if yeah, my reactions do have a bit of a bearing on whether or not mm. I enjoy it a second time. Very interesting. Worth considering. Worth considering. But yeah, no, I really liked this one with uh, with with him and Austin Aries. Really yeah. good. Samoa Joe sadly left TNA along with most of the TNA roster in the last couple of years as the company went through major restructuring. And I say restructuring, they lost loads of money, smaller TV deal, not enough money to pay guys the contracts, way too many expenses, and Joe was someone that was let go. And when he was let go, I remember being just distinctly thinking... He'll probably go back to Ring of Honor. He'll do some tours around. And then I was hopeful that Samoa Joe might get, like, a job as a coach or something like that. I think, ooh. And that was me being like, oh, no, don't get too carried away, Kevin. (laughs) Now, he did leave TNA and he did go to Ring of Honor for a bit. And his Ring of Honor return wasn't wasn't that good. But, fuck me, if I didn't squeal like a fangirl when the, thankfully, non-spoiled return of Samoa Joe at NXT, when he came out in NXT to, to face off against Kevin Owens. Wow. I couldn't believe it. Um, so I don't know, maybe now, because I remember when, I remember there was two times where this has happened. Once was with Sting, when Sting came back mm-hmm. to WWE, and I was jumping up and down, and you were like, who's this bearded yeah. idiot? And uh, the other time was with Samoa Joe. Actually three times, the Dudley Boys. And the Dudley Boys as well. Yeah. So does it make more sense now, Joe? Oh, yeah, totally. If I had been a fan of wrestling and Samoa Joe, and I saw him coming off to NXT, I would have flipped out. Yeah. What's the term? Marked out? Marked out. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. I would have, I would have marked out, because he is so cool. He's and so, so cool. not the WWE oh, yeah. mold. And, it was, and it's quite funny, because I was kind of, I was sitting there, and I was thinking, there's no, Samoa Joe doesn't fit the bill of a WWE guy. There's no, and he's standing in there with Kevin Owens, for fuck's sake, yeah. who is, again, another guy yeah. who the exact same argument could have made about, oh, WWE doesn't like that kind of guy, or it, not the right shape, or whatever. It really does position NXT as being this place that's kind of, has all the best elements of WWE, but also all these other... It really is its own thing. Because yeah, you get all these guys who are amazing, really talented, but don't look like the norm. And you know what's awesome about it as well? Is the fact that he came in and he wasn't Joe Samoa, or no. Joseph Samosov. He was Samoa Joe. <laughs> what was that, Joseph you know, Samosov? They have, they have this awful trend. Of, I mean, Brian Danielson became Daniel Bryan, and the oh, joke was born from there, you know? But um, yeah, he he's gotten to be himself there. One of the few, isn't he? One of the very few, actually, you know? Sami Zayn wasn't given that luxury. But I remember the first couple of weeks with Joe, 
not being that blown away, thinking that it wasn't going to work in NXT and all that. And I can say there was a, a match recently, which you and I watch, and if you're looking for a, a, a real amazing Samoa Joe NXT match, Samoa Joe versus Tyler Breeze, we'll put the date of the episode up on our Facebook and Twitter, mm-hmm. but that was an incredible match yeah. from NXT. Absolutely fucking phenomenal. And he's had, you know, quite a few great moments there now. Uh, currently where we are, it's November 2015. He's feuding for the, the world belts with, with Finn Balor. And I'm very excited about Joe in NXT. Yes. I'm, I'm happy that we can say that because if you we did this episode a month or two months ago, I'd be like, oh, Jury's still out there. But I think he's, I'm quite happy with how he's getting on. I mean, what, what do you think, I mean, Joe in NXT, is he a big part of the show for you? or? Yeah, it was interesting for me because he recently turned heel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was big for me because it was my first ever like turn of oh, a character yeah. that I'd ever seen from, you know, them being only one way previously that I was aware of. We should point out we don't include Kane or Big Show in these turns because they are unimportant. So this well, I don't know about the Kane and Big Show turn. <laughs> well, Kane has turned a few times since you started watching. But has you, he? Yeah, but you never notice these things, do you? Because it's like, it's it's not important. But the Joe one affected you. Yeah, I'd say that's the thing. The yeah, I guess you're right, they have turned, haven't they? But this this one is was a proper, proper... It wasn't like a fickle, oh, uh, look, he's yeah. back in this way. It was a, whoa, holy shit, he's turned heel. Did it affect you then? It was an interesting one. I wasn't sure if I liked it at first. I'm still not sure if I like it, but I think I will. Mm. I think I'm just getting used to it. Yeah. Because I know Samoa Joe can totally handle being a heel, and he's got his justifications for turning as well, which I like. Yeah, exactly. A proper reason and rationale, yeah. which is really cool. And... One thing as well, which we've probably not mentioned here so far, and something that I think he is so, so underrated on, his name never comes up when people discuss the best of this, Um, Samoa Joe on the microphone is, he is such a good promo, he is so fucking good at getting his point across, he never has to shout, if he does shout, he means it, but he doesn't have to raise his voice, his words have meaning, Mm -hmm. he can take the most... He just talks like a real human. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's more than a real human. He seems... This is going to sound real sad, but he sound, the way he talks is quite poetic. Yeah. <laughs> He's a really good... There's speaker. a nice cadence and, and yeah. timbre to his voice. But he seems so relaxed. Like, does, I, yeah. I do feel like totally it's... Ease. I never feel like, here's a guy who's playing a character who's in the... I feel like Joe is in this fight and this this is him. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely brilliant promos. And he's, he's shown that in, in, in NXT so far. And I'm excited for the future for Samoa Joe. Yeah. And it's really, really nice to think that here was a wrestler who, you know, three years ago, I would have said, you know what? Probably not much of a Samoa Joe fan anymore. Don't really oh, care. And this sad. has been such a resurgence. Who would have fucking thought that WWE and Triple H, of all people, would make me come back round to Samoa Joe? Yeah. Because for me, he's my entry, he was my gateway drug into non-WWE, and now I feel it's come full circle. That's really nice. And it's so nice to see him impact new fans as well. Yeah. You know? Because I think Joe is a, he's a wrestler that's probably had a, quite an impact on you. Definitely, yeah. He's one of the important wrestlers on NXT in my opinion and also he, he did debut around the same time I started watching yeah, that's true a little yeah. bit after so he was my first debut as yeah. well as my first oh, turn you always remember your first you yeah. know and also you always remember someone who's got fucking incredible entrance music so like, yeah can we talk about his entrance music for a second <laughs> so good <laughs> I, the only entrance music I can think of which I 
like even more than that is um, Polly Cruz. Yeah, Polly Cruz. Yeah, I mean, one thing I do like is that when Samoa Joe comes out to that music, you can think that it's evil farts. (laughs) (laughs) Twelve. I am twelve. Also, I've not had enough time or enough trumps to make the keyboard and ask someone nicely to make that music in farts for me. Yeah, you haven't spent enough time with Adam recently. I I need that that to happen (laughs) in my life. Well, that's Samoa Joe, the matches which we talked through. But as always, it's now time to delve into the world of the social media and check out some tweets and Facebook posts. So this is NXT. Now, you see, I've always made it a point to compete in the hottest promotions in the world. And everywhere I looked and everyone who asked told me one thing, Joe, if you want to do what you want to do, if you want to be with the very best and the most hungry and the most vicious, violent and excellent pro wrestlers in the world, then you come to NXT. And if tonight is any indication of the competition I can expect, well, rest assured, Joe is happy and Joe is here. So consider this your warning. I am Samoa Joe. I am pro wrestling, and I am now here in NXT. So these are some tweets that were sent in using the hashtag HowToSamoaJoe. We'll mention, if you're someone who's looking to contribute to episodes, and particularly to have stuff read out, or also to have stuff even seen by us, Make sure you use the hashtag. The problem is, folks, is that it's not a case of that we're going to go, ooh, that one's not got the hashtag, so yeah. therefore it doesn't apply, and we're going to strike it from the list. We get a lot of tweets. Yeah. A lot of tweets. It's a very active account. Yeah. Uh, it's much more active than the AE Podcast or Cinema Swirl or even my own accounts. So, obviously, keeping track of all those tweets is impossible. The unless hashtag the ha- is literally essential. It's, it's <laughs> almost as if a hashtag is like a tracking service of some oh, sort. Oh, weird. Unbelie- we, we just decided to go with hashtags to, uh, you know, because we thought it looked nice on the typeface. It's trendy. <laughs> Everyone's doing it, aren't they? But now it turns out they've got this use as well. <laughs> so use them. Yeah, please use the hashtags because we love... A a lot of the things you're sending in but if they haven't got the hashtag we won't find them and I won't say this except for the fact that I think there has been one or two cases where I've, I've locked and went oh that's a good tweet and then forgotten about forgotten it about and it. you can't refind it again so, because yeah. it's not tagged please use your hashtag. please 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 we love your tweets we want to read them out use the hashtag so we can so this one is from Netflix and Will what a great username seriously uh, he says Samojo was once kidnapped by ninjas with no follow up <laughs> care to explain Kevin <laughs> Well, I don't think, I mean, 
if you've got a company like TNA, which then at one point gets fucking taken over by the brain trust of Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan, who are working alongside the further brain trust of Vince fucking Russo, who's trying to keep his job. Fucking hell. That's a fucking dangerous mix. Jesus Christ. Yeah, their big idea for Samoa Joe was, we don't know what to do with Samoa Joe. We need to write him off. So he was kidnapped by ninjas. Wait, that's how they wrote him off? Yeah. So Joe was walking backstage, a bunch of guys in nin- in like hood- hoods and stuff, Bet him up, threw him in the back of a white van, drove away, and that was it. And he was not on it the show It was again. never referred to. It. He came back a couple of months later, no mention. What? Yeah. Now, this is from the creative genius that once decided to do the same thing with Ric Flair, bury him in the desert, and then three months later have him appear with no explanation as to how he got out of the desert. Mm-hmm. So, that is... The dramatic write-off with no follow-up is something that these men have done before. Joe was a victim. Okay, well, that certainly seems to be the case. Um, Frankie Mon sent in, there was that time he threatened to kill people with a knife because TNA reasons. Yeah, so um, when they decided to turn him heel, they gave Joe, uh, you know, face paint and a little bit more of a tribal gimmick and they made him that he was super violent. Course, is now, that a thing that Samoan people no, no, cause, those Polynesians because obviously Samoa Joe is a man who doesn't obviously seem very violent from it his clearly so they gave him a machete and he would oh, brandish that around sake. yeah so there you go just Christ. so in case people came away from this with positive impressions of TNA we're going to ratchet those right back really, down really yeah have yeah. home when you're sitting there folks showing your girlfriend or your friend or your buddy getting interesting that amazing triple threat match just think ninjas and machetes <laughs> Yes Mode Games says Joe was one of the only genuine stars TNA had outside of old ex WWE stars. So seeing him on NXT made me scream. Absolutely, it made me scream made you big scream. time as well. Yeah. Strictly Worse said, I'm still a wrestling newbie, but when Samoa Joe turned heel on NXT recently, it destroyed me. Well, I mean, I think the reason why it did destroy you, not to not to completely speak for you on your behalf, but even though if you're someone who's not like know about the legacy of Joe or all his matches or all his history and all that, the fact is he's one of the few performers on that show that really conveys stuff. Just his facial expressions, his emotions. When he turned heel, he didn't turn around and hit the guy. No. You saw him agonize and go oh will I do it and then you have to realize the whole story that's been building in the background for months of him being frustrated and oh man brilliant Samoa Joe seems like such a genuinely nice guy that his heel turn feels like a necessity to his ambition rather than him becoming a dick it's it's not him going ah it's what's best for business I want money Ah." it's how can I continue this career after everyone's shit on me and he's kind of like his point was like I'm Samoa Joe I'm in an XT I, ha- I can't not make this impact. And he's right. I love it. Brilliant. Matt Hardy says, My fiancé says he looks like an angry baby that you shouldn't mess with. She is right. Seriously. <laughs> um, particularly once, I don't know if it's sad, but one noticeable thing about going back through Joe's stuff was particularly looking at his earlier matches compared to now. That man is aged. I mean, not aged in terms of he looks old, but he looks... He looks like an adult now. His face yeah. is... He looks like a battle-scarred warrior now. How I re- old is Samoa Joe now? He's only in his, like, 36, 37? He maybe? looks about that age, Yeah, though. but he kind of has a lot... He doesn't have that boyish look to him anymore. No, but then, to be fair, he's 36, 37. Yeah. You've got no right having a boyish look to you at that point. You Particularly lucky when, you, bastards when you're hitting do. people that hard, you know? <laughs> Matt Hardy also said, he's seemingly one of the only Samoan men in wrestling history not related to The Rock. Yeah, um, I think he may... He was the, definitely the, the number one non-WWE Samoan guy. And also as well, I think the fact that Samoa Joe, the fact that he was able to, you know, 
he was able to pay tribute to his Samoan lineage through yeah. his name and uh, other means and whatnot without becoming a parody or mm-hmm. a stereotype. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Really awesome. Really, really awesome. And we've got some Facebook messages over here on facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling. Andrew Doherty writes, was always a smart fan of wrestling, even when I got into it at 10. But by the time I was 15, graduating to full-on internet smart, and that's when he and Punk had those matches. Downloading Punk and Joe on LimeWire is one of those weirdly fond memories I like sharing people with when I talk wrestling with them. I'll always love Joe. And I think, for me, I, I think I've mentioned that as well, and for a lot of fans, Joe was that kind of like... When you find out that indie wrestling is a thing and there's this whole other world outside of WWE, it's a really nice feeling yeah. as a wrestling fan, you know? Will Young writes, very talented wrestler despite weight fluctuations in the late 2000s, very underrated promoment, very underrated promo, always excels at adding gravity to what he's saying. I That's think this so true. Gravitas, I definitely think, gravitas. is one thing I would say. Stuart Chin Strong says, part of the golden age of indie wrestling, I feel Joe has been brought into WWE too late. Undoubtedly, this has been because of his size. However, if you go back and watch his X Division encounters, he can flip de doo with the best of them. I hope he isn't stuck in NXT forever. However, lack of copyrighted theme name, lack of copyrighted name does concern me. There are some people who think that Joe is very much only going to be in NXT, and that's their plan for him, is to be an NXT uh, product. Okay. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing either. NXT is evolving into this own kind of show. Like they proved with the um, the massive live show they did earlier this year. In Brooklyn, with, yeah. In Brooklyn that they sold out. It doesn't have to be. I don't think people should think about the main show as being the next step up from NXT. I know that's kind of how they want you to see it. Yeah. But I don't think that's quite the right way. Well, I mean, they're turning around saying it's not developmental, it's a brand. That's what they're saying. That's what a Triple H says. But are they actually saying it's Yeah, and that's what Finn, Finn Balor, who's the champion, says, like, his line he oh, says okay. in interviews when he's doing media is, I don't want to leave because I'm the face of this brand. Yeah. And that's kind of... So, I mean, if Joe stays in NXT, actually, I'd kind of be happier. I think he's one of the few um, wrestlers that I wouldn't be worried if he did move up because I feel that he's going to just be fine no matter what. He's got the talent. He's got, you know, all the skills necessary. He's very entertaining no matter what. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't be sad if he moved up and I wouldn't be sad if he didn't. Chris Rhodes, right, his match with Kabashi Ring of Honor restored my faith in wrestling. Those chops, he was a juggernaut in Ring of Honor. And very much so, I think that um, Punk and Brian seem to get labelled with the kind of the Ring of Honor guys. And you know what, I think that may be because both of those guys became world champions in WWE. Joe, just as important, if not more important part of that company's history. And Harry Green writes, To me, Joe always felt like a force of nature and has been able to keep that aura around him. An absolute killer. He did things that a guy of his size had no right doing. He always felt legitimate, even that time when he looked like he had a cock on his face. (laughs) Uh, Yes, the uh, face paint, of course, is mentioned earlier. But I think that really sums up Joe for me. Um, Highs and lows in his career, but he himself, his character... There's never been like an awkward like Samoa Joe is shit promo or Samoa Joe is shit angle. He's always come out looking quite well and can carry himself as such. It was interesting as well. I don't think we had, or if we did, we only had one or two people tweeting and saying they didn't like Samoa Joe. Yeah, interesting. I think one or two people said they found him a bit dull. Some people, I think, they used the overrated moniker when they kind of... And that's maybe one of the reasons I didn't want to show you those hour-long battles because while technically proficient... They may 
bear on the the slightly more like you know it's a bit long kind yeah. of and i think people would view overrated as a result some people do think that mm. when they kind of say that this guy is the second coming or whatever and they don't agree with that or, or what right. have you um i would say one trend i did notice is a lot of people who are quite angsty about him in wwe mm-hmm. thinking that it's going to end badly somehow really? you know i it, i think it's easy for me, and it's honestly, it's fucking, it's the nicest thing about this podcast, is the fact that when you're watching with a new fan, you can almost appreciate a little bit more how good it is. If I was watching NXT every week alone, you know, in a fucking darkened room, I know I'd be miserable for other reasons, but the important thing is, is that it's when you're watching with a new fan, you can appreciate how good it is that something is happening now, yeah. and appreciate it now. Don't worry about how it's going to go, don't worry about if you'll be on the main roster or not, enjoy now. You know, because it's now it's good. It is. I kind of figure it's very easy for me. Maybe it's because all my favourites are always horribly injured. After yeah. After a while, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, seriously, now Cesaro as well. All my babes yeah. are injured out for a long period of time. So for me, I kind of don't think about what's going to happen in the future because you don't know. Yeah, and you don't want to be the fan who spends Samoa Joe's... I mean, maybe if Joe's runs only a year, you don't want to spend an entire year wondering how Samoa Joe's going to get on WWE and not really giving him a chance. And that's I the think- only thing you're thinking about. But that's going to do it for How To Samoa Joe. Thanks everyone for writing in with those tweets and Facebook messages. What an interesting man and an incredibly entertaining one to watch as well. Um, I definitely think, we usually ask at this point, Joe, if you're going to watch some more Samoa Joe. Nah, I hate Samoa Joe now and I'm never going to watch any of his matches again. I'm never going to watch NXT again either. I was going to say, unless you plan on greatly changing our Thursday tradition, then there will be no Samoa Joe in our future. (laughs) Also, there will be no carrot soup on Thursday either. So, um, yeah, no dinner. We're changing it up. Very excited to announce what our next episode is going to be. I'm so excited. I am ridiculously excited. I will say right now, we probably showed this one earlier than than we have, but, you know, just the way requests come in and whatnot, very, very excited to this one. Our next episode is going to be about the six-time WWE Women's Champion, and some would argue the most successful female wrestler of all time in WWE, Trish Stratus. So, how to Trish Stratus. We are looking for segments, thoughts, matches, promos about arguably one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time. I'm so excited and a big, big thanks to Ashley Clements for requesting this on Patreon. Serious. So good. What good taste. Oh man. I've been looking forward to, since before this podcast existed, I've been looking forward to learning about Trish Stratus and ever since this has been a thing that's happened, this podcast, Mm. I obviously... I take quite a lot of care to not learn too much outside of the show so you can get my reactions organically. Yeah. And so as a result, there's very little I know about her. I mean, I know bits. Have you seen any of her matches? Yes, I have. I've seen a few of her matches. Okay. More probably of her matches than some of the others that we've covered. Yeah. Other wrestlers. But um, in terms of her main... Uh, career. I don't know much about it. Interesting. Now, Trace is very interesting in the fact that she kind of... She her her how her her story went the types of matches she was involved in what she became in wrestling to compare to how she was kind of what the plan was for her originally yeah incredibly interesting stuff so we are looking as well folks for matches segments interviews thoughts memories of Tristras obviously it's a wrestler who's since retired so we get to look back at the career hopefully in one big chunk mm-hmm. um so yes if you can send those in using the hashtag. How to Trish Stratus. Yeah. It's going to be so good. And also, I'm going to say right now, 
Dan did a fantastic job on How to Samoa Joe. The artwork mm-hmm. is amazing. I'm sure you'll all agree. Mm-hmm. How to Tristratus is going to be even better. Yeah. The artwork is so good. I'm oh, yeah. so excited. Good. I want this printed on my wall. <laughs> it's beautiful. Awesome. Well, I can't wait for that one. And of course, to send in information about How to Tristratus and just to keep in touch and follow us, the best way to do it is on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash How to Wrestling. And don't forget to use the hashtag How to Tristratus for our next episode. And you can also find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash wrestling. We will post up episode artwork on there. Silly goofs and spoofs, news, episode stuff, so match lists. If you've got fan art that you want to send to us, there's a good place to send us. And you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We really appreciate you following us on there, subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com forward slash wrestling. And you can find us on iTunes just by searching for us within the store. Yeah, exactly. And of course, anyone who's left a rating or review on iTunes, we thank you absolutely so and much. positively so much. It is a huge, huge, huge help. If you are someone who's left a review, maybe ask a friend or someone else to leave a rating or review. It helps out the algorithm, helps get some eyes on the prize, as they say. And of course, as well, we appreciate everyone who is passing on How to Wrestling to friends and whatnot, because we have got a large amount of people now who are listening to this who are introducing people yeah. to wrestling. And that is fucking awesome. When we started this podcast, a worry of mine was that it would just be a load of people kind of going, oh, that's how we would conceivably introduce wrestling to a friend. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, though, because I'm ashamed of myself and wrestling. But that's not been the case. Wrestling is really cool now. Yeah. It's really cool to... to I know so many people who want to get into wrestling, and now it's so easy because I can just like, well, just listen to the podcast. It literally is a guide on how to watch wrestling. And it's course, so easy. And honestly, anyone who's helping spread the podcast through social media, we do thank you massively. If you are one of those people who's spreading it through word of mouth, we thank you just as much, if not more, because that is the absolute best way to spread number this podcast. Way. So number one way, and we thank you for doing that as well. And if you want to help support support this podcast you may do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling so if you want to help support this podcast you can by heading over to patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling and donating and pledging to become our patron if you donate one dollar you get access to the show notes and research that goes into making that goes into making every single episode of how to wrestling all the tweets, goofs, and gaffes that Joe compiles all go up there in a downloadable document. If you donate $5 or more, you get access to our monthly pay-per-view reviews, which are exclusive for Patreon backers, where Joe and I review the monthly pay-per-views that WWE offer. And if you donate $5 a month, you get access to all the previous ones. So starting all the way back in SummerSlam 2015, all the way up to current day, there is a monthly re- um, review up there. They're an hour to two hours long. It's a full episode. Yeah. We can hear our thoughts on the current product. So we're doing Survivor Series next. Survivor Series will be up a very, very short time. Oh, so a good time <laughs> a good time to donate your five dollars now so you get prepared for the new episode which is coming out to go alongside this episode. More okay. how to wrestling than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> if you donate ten dollars or more, you get access to our monthly QA stream, which is now a must-attend event, seeing as Joe and I have got 2K16. And in an amazing turn of events, it's become very competitive. I'm quite good at it now. And in a much more inevitable turn of events, the home life has become incredibly competitive as a result of that. <laughs> so if you want to see Joe and I's universe mode and us two take, uh, take each other on and do fan requests,
dress and stuff like that. Plus, see what our wrestlers that we've designed to kind of look like us look like. Yeah, if you want I to said see in the Vegas sense. Vegas sense. I mean, <laughs> Joe's does have horns, and mine is basically bearded Chad Gable, but still. Mine's a bit sexy. A little bit. A lot. It's very. Yeah, I say a little bit. It's very. She's basically in a cat suit. I, I mean, if you didn't put on those ram's horns, it would be an issue. You know? But you know, the ram's horns just kind of makes it a non-sexual thing for me, if I'm honest. Yeah, you know? it's too much like Bray Wyatt with it, his little special. I was going to say it's too much like a ram, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and if you donate $50 or more, you can steer the good SS How To Wrestling, as Mr. Neil Bainbridge has done for both this episode and for Scott Steiner. We thank you so much, Neil, for donating to the cause of How To Wrestling. What you, a guy. What a guy, seriously. And honestly, we have got a lot of amazing requested episodes coming up, and we thank you guys so much. You actually are, you know, picking stuff better than I could have even yeah, hoped to. Literally, yeah. We're getting a real great mix of stuff, a real great mix of styles, themes, not just WWE, not just current day, not just classic, a real great mix. And we really appreciate it, guys. So if you do want to support us, Patreon is the place to do it. If you're a $50 backer, we thank you so much. And there's a lot of great episodes coming up very, very shortly. But any amount is appreciated, greatly so, from our $1 backers to our $50 backers. We thank you all for supporting us at patreon.com slash wrestling. And that's going to do it for this episode. So it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. A goodbye from me, Samoa. Smojo. Smojo. <laughs> and a goodbye from me, Smojo. And we'll catch you next time on H Wrestling, where we're going to look at Trish Stratus. Yeah. So get your tweets in. We'll see you next time. See ya.